0: want to build a community to share other women's stories. Welcome to Tea with Tea. This is episode eight and we have Hope Johnson with us today. Hope is a CFO who has experienced a lot of mentorship throughout her career and has had a fantastic leadership journey to date. So I'm really excited. Thanks for
1: joining us, Hope. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation.
0: And I think let's kick off it, it straight away, if that's okay, by um telling us a little bit about your career journey to date. I know we've talked um together about your Jamaican heritage and what made you decide to tell your family that you'd be pursuing finance Instead of either medicine or legal, so I would love to to learn more about that,
1: yes, 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 thank you. Great. Great opening question. So I must say I've had, as I look back, I've had a really great career, a tremendous career, lots of opportunities, one that I'm very, very grateful for. And as you've said, I, I am Jamaican. I started my career in Jamaica, did most of my school in in Jamaica. and, for those of you who don't know the Jamaican or the, or the British system, which is what we follow actually, um, for my high school career, or my high school education mm-hmm. was focused on the sciences. You know, it was the the myth is if you do well academically, right, you'll do something in the sciences or, or, or law. And so I followed that path, which is what I know my mom really wanted and did that for high school, did biochemistry, physics, the whole, whole nine yards but i also had a very fulfilled time in high school and got involved in a lot of different clubs and activities and just saw where my passion was you know anything that had to do with money and planning and sales and budgeting that was where i honestly got excited and i also was fortunate to get exposure to people in the business career really early in high school and thought that's exactly what i i want to do i think not a lot of people can say from so early they know that's what they wanted to do. So for me, it was the path, the business path. It was not what was intended. I, after high school, you know, at the age of 15, wrote my mom a three-page letter explaining to her, her why I wanted to do what I wanted to do and then made the switch for A-levels, which is the requirements that you need to start university and made the switch to economics, accounting, and you know, and now I look back, it was such a you know hard decision to make or to accept for my family and for the people in my circle, but it was absolutely the right thing. I excelled in those courses and now I have a great career and more to look forward to. And I'm very, very grateful for that.
0: Amazing. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Did your family push back on the, 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 how, how did the three page letter go down and, and did they push back on that?
1: Well, I think they were disappointed to say the least. And also the circles, you know, my teachers, everyone had, I didn't actually get to do A-levels at the school of my choice because you have to have the O-levels and the a level to do the subjects in A-levels. And I had to go to a private high school to do sixth form, right? Just to get the A-levels done. So yes, there was pushback, not just from the family, but just the system itself, right? That didn't really cater for that level of change. But I think once I... I think the turning point was when I completed A-Levels. I did very, very well. I was one of the five students in the island that got A-1 for economics, which is obviously wow. harder A-Levels. And I think from that was the opening where I think people realize, yeah, maybe she's onto something. And I really had such a good time doing economics. It's It was my passion area. And I think once people see how passionate you are about something and when you start to do good at it, which is what I tell a lot of people I mentor, results really speak for themselves
0: yeah, and I know that's something you're very passionate about, and and we will talk about that a little bit a, a bit later on. You mentioned briefly there that obviously in high school you quite early had exposure to to different um executives, and I think that's something that spurred you on. So is that where you started at the credit union in Jamaica?
1: I started credit union right actually actually right after college, and it was a credit union league. And you know, when I look back on my career, it's something I don't talk about enough. That was such a great start. It wasn't what everyone was raising their hands to do. Everyone was wanted to go work for, you know, the big banks, etc. cetera. And I got an opportunity to work at a credit union league, which is like the central bank of the credit unions in the island. And I was 20 years old. I was on a management team. I got exposure to the board. I was the, wow. uh, I was an economic, I was a research analyst, both for economics and market research. And I had to gather a lot of data, Mm -hmm. review complex information from the Bank of Jamaica, the Statistical Institute, And put it all together in what was my monthly newsletter to all the credit unions, just so that they could understand the trends and what would impact their group. And if you think of it, the credit unions, it's a wide range, right? You have professional groups and you have community groups. So, from the teachers to the farmers. And I had to be able to think about the audience, the stakeholders, and write uh, my newsletter and go do conferences and speak to all different constituents to make sure they understood and they knew what was important. So, when I look back, I really got a lot of exposure coming I built a lot of skills and honestly a lot of confidence and it was really the type of experience I needed at that time to fulfill my requirements for business school right so I was accepted and deferred with this one condition so looking back and it also gives you that sense of now everyone talks about you know doing good or social impact and I realized that my first job in life that's what I was actually doing and so it really gave me a keen sense of the benefit of non-for-profits as well.
0: It's amazing, isn't it? And really, as you say, like 20 years old is so young when you think about it to be in that situation and to be learning so much. I agree. Definitely. Yeah. And then obviously your career after your MBA, that's when you went over to IBM and um, and you started in systems, which is quite interesting. And it was at, a I think, quite a pivotal time when systems was obviously something that everybody was talking about as well. So can you talk about the experiences and, and any guidance that you had in your early stage of your career at IBM?
1: Yeah, so I was fortunate to join IBM, like you said, right after business school. And I chose IBM because of its complexity and I I know myself well, and I know I need to keep learning, I love challenge. And I thought of all the opportunities I had, that's the one that would give me that variation where I would constantly learn. But as you mentioned earlier, I started in the financial sector, I had no idea about technology. And so when I got the choice of, you know, going to the hardcore technology or doing services or headquarters job, I chose technology. And so I packed up my stuff and moved to Poughkeepsie, New York, um, upstate New York, and I was, like you said, in the systems group. And there I got to see the whole life cycle. I you know, I was in charge of the development team at first, my first at fin, um, financial analysis role. And I could see what the, the engineers and developers were doing. I saw the products, the pricing team was there. And I physically saw the products in the manufacturing. It's, there was a manufacturing location as well. Mm-hmm. And I could literally see the, the, the servers move on the trucks when they were being shipped to clients. So I got to see the full life cycle but what it really taught me was A, accept challenges and if you really want to learn and especially for me being in finance and you're supporting the business and you have to give them guidance and it's not so much just about reporting it's doing analysis that can help make the right decisions you really got to know the business and yeah. the best way to know the business is to literally show up show up there be there be in meetings that you probably have no idea why you're there and do them repeatedly and soon you learn the business, you learn the stakeholders themselves. And and for me, it was good, it was a good exposure. And one other great thing that happened there was I had the best manager I think anyone could ever have. And there was actually a change in the organization between my interview and arriving in Poughkeepsie. I was a bit disappointed at first, but it, it was one of the best things that happened to me. I got who I think is the best manager I've ever had. And just taught me the benefit of team and working with your teams and managing your teams and getting to know your teams personally. Mm-hmm. Something I took with me um, for the rest of my career until now.
0: It's just so amazing to actually have, especially as your first manager in an organization such as the size of IBM. And we've talked about it a little bit. So, obviously, you mentioned choosing IBM over a couple of other options that you had and I believe that was down to the complexity which obviously makes sense but how did that contribute to obviously I think you kind of alluded a little bit there but your hunger for learning this appetite for kind of throwing yourself in how yeah. did that help
1: it, it really made a difference you know I actually could be a lifelong student if they would just pay me and pay me well to do it <laughs> well I've always been i you know i was you know biggest nerd when i graduated from from sixth form so i really love learning love schooling I, I think what the working in a large organization and one that has such a diverse portfolio allows you to do is to really keep learning if you think of it every time you join a new business unit it's new stakeholders. Sometimes the clients are different. Um, the The business model is different, and you really have to learn that. And so for me, I approach each of those roles. Realize I was, you know, back to learning. You know, who do I need to meet? Where do I need to go? How do I show up? And um, what's the goals of this organization? And that that really kept my curiosity going and my learning. And so I think sometimes people say. How could you? How could you have been at one company for that long? I'm like, well, it really didn't feel like one company. I was doing lots of different things and moving to groups. Yeah. I would go back to an organization, but in a different capacity or at a, or at a higher level. And I got to do a lot. I got to do US roles, global roles. I had international assignment. Um, and like I said, I did I started in systems and I went to services. And then I did, you know, more of a consulting labor-based business. I went to the corporate head office. So I had a wide variety of roles and also touched on the different finance disciplines from pricing, planning, you know, risk management. And so being able to do all that, whether it's managing cost or revenue, you're actually learning and using different muscles. Um, each time. Yeah and was there a part of IBM that you didn't try? <laughs> uh, let's see I think I did I did not try the financing business okay. um, but I think most of the other large units I, I did try So and, and like research I didn't try directly but I would have had lots of interaction with all the units.
0: Yeah and I think for, for you that was intentional for, from how you've de- described it to me every Move that you made or promotion that you took or or role that you did or didn't apply for, so I think there were times where you thought actually or you were maybe advised not to necessarily jump in and go for something, which I think we'll talk about in a little while but um being intentional in your career and thinking about that, what strategies did you apply when you were thinking about how you were going to to move up the ranks? I think that's something that would be great for us to talk about, but equally. How did you advocate for yourself within IBM?
1: I think so. some of it is a mindset. And whether it's, you know, like for me, it was IBM, but just other organizations, I think some of it is a mindset. so i I do tell this to people today, kind of ask yourself, why not? Why not you? right? And so if you have that mindset, then you will set on a path. And for me, my My perspective was just the way I do everything else, being very organized, investing time. You know, I had some great mentors, some that were assigned, some that I just like picked up along the way. I don't even know if they knew they were my mentors, but Picked up along the way. And I think being intentional is about trying to understand the organization, the opportunities that are there, where your skills match, and honestly, where you may have gaps that you do need Mm -hmm. to, to fill and be deliberate about it, document it, and make sure people know what your aspirations and desires are and get feedback. You may get feedback and say, Well, not so quick, or have you thought about that? And I've had a couple of those where I had to stop, pause, pivot. Mm -hmm. And maybe I was a bit stubborn at first, but you hear it enough. And so I think just being organized, deliberate, and being consistent is, is, I think, one of the key things. And just being open, being open to that feedback that you would get. And you really don't know it all. And think about the people who have gone before you and what they have learned.
0: Exactly. I think you described it to me as building a quilt of experiences which I really love that description and I think that's something we can explore a little bit further but how did you strategic so I think lots of people will want to understand this if you come out say you come out of business school and you're just going into a role and and it's a business that is the size of IBM how can people be thinking about how they can and obviously you just mentioned that there weren't many places that you didn't try so how can especially female leaders, be intentional, but also think about how they can try the different functions. And and how did that shape your career, having all of those different functionalities that I think you had the exposure to?
1: Yeah, I think so. First of all, it's, uh, there's lots of opportunities. And if you think of it that way, I think any company you join, there's probably a path. There's probably a path that people tell you, right? Whether you're in consulting or auditing or accounting, This, 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 and then you get there. And I'm sure there was like a, a path as well. I think you have to think of your own personal situations. I, I had a family, I had kids, I did some of my career remotely. And so you also have to plan your own career, right? And sometimes you have, one of my mentors told me one time, you have to sometimes put blinders on. And um, so for me, what it was, and and this was really, I was explaining something to one of my mentors one day. And she said, you should write it down. You should put it on paper. And it's literally... What are the different business units that are that are available for you to join? And then what are the different functional areas or skills that you could develop along the way? And I spend time documenting what I had done. And then it, then it becomes very clear what you have not done. And as you start to evaluate opportunities, I think now you have a proof point of, okay, here's yeah. what I learned. And this opportunity would help me fill a particular, and it's not necessarily a gap, but but obviously learning curve that you don't have. And sometimes it may be real gaps based on what your career aspirations are. But I think having invested the time to document that, it really gave me a sense of what I would do. I do remember, for example, my first opportunity that came up for exec I interviewed for. And I thought I could do this job I had done. I was in the same unit before and I was, you know, maybe the number two in that organization and so now I could be number one and like it's like you know this is what you were like you trained for yeah one and when I had the interview it was actually one of my mentors and she said absolutely not this is not a job you should want and I was so taken aback I'm like you know I can do this job and and the basic things like what would you actually learn from the job right and so I I didn't I didn't get the job. I didn't, I had moved on, got an, another exec job actually shortly after. But as I think back, um, those are opportunities where it gave me an opportunity to do something so different and add more to my toolkit that then gave me more breadth, right? That would help me as you progress in the organization or any organization.
0: Yeah. And I think it's interesting. This is not the first time on on the series that we've talked about actually thinking outside the box a little bit and trying to uh, to not necessarily have to follow the path and creating your own direction which I think we do sometimes just assume that we have to follow these stepping stones and and that's the only way that you can go and I think naturally I think as women as well we, we sometimes don't push ourselves outside of those boundaries as much as perhaps we should. So it's great to hear that. I think you've put yourself in positions to. Uh, you you explained it to me as kind of colouring in the different boxes like and yeah. <laughs> making a quilt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Which I love that expression. Let's go a bit deeper into the conversation that we've we've been having around mentorship and allyship because I know you've got lots of them to share, and I think there's plenty that. I know you were very happy and, and have grown a lot through your career, through your mentors. So um, what experiences, obviously you just shared one, but what other experiences have you had that that you think are worth sharing from having met strong mentors?
1: Yeah, I think mentorship is something I'm very, very passionate about. So I'll make sure I'll be as brief as I can. I do believe in the power of mentorship and I do a lot myself i i was assigned a mentor maybe about two years into my ibm career and i'm not sure i even knew enough about like what a mentor is but Mm -hmm. i I remember moving from new york to atlanta and i thought you know now i have to figure out how to make this relationship work for me and being remote it was a great opportunity to make sure i stayed connected but i invested heavily like anything in life and any relationship i invested heavily in the relationship i was fortunate that I got a mentor who really wanted to get to know me not just professionally but personally and someone I could talk to about the big things going on in my life and my career as well as I just had a bad day and I had a bad meeting can I can I talk and we get some feedback and I was very deliberate about it right it was you know people may joke about it my people in my circle know this every January I would say okay I'm going to meet with this person X number of times, or who are the other leaders or people I need to meet with, who need to know me, what feedback I need to get and advise. And I was very deliberate about it. And just to document um, my goals, not just for that relationship, but personal goals and being prepared, I, you know, you really should not waste people's time. And yeah. so I not only would organize and make sure I was, you know, spending time with my mentors and people who became sponsors, but I was prepared for every of those interactions and conversations and. And sometimes it's two-way. I may be sometimes in a unit that they're intrigued about or they want to learn about. And so I'm prepared to share projects I'm working on and what I'm learning. And so you have to make the relationships two-way as well. But I I think it's that you can not take things for granted. I was fortunate to be assigned Mm -hmm. earlier on, but I picked up other mentors along the way. And one of the advice I would say is, Using like managers or people you've worked on on special projects who really know your work up front, yeah. I think they're a great source of mentorship because they actually know your work, they know your strengths, your weaknesses, and they can advocate for you and also give you honest feedback.
0: Yeah, I think it was the one of your mentors who suggested not going for the exec role that you just talked about, right? And, and actually saying, just wait a moment, hope the better thing will come up. And then, didn't
1: you end up moving to to Ireland off
0: the back? I of did, that?
1: I did. So the next opportunity came up of maybe four or so months after, and I got an opportunity to have my first international assignment and an exec role, and I moved to Ireland, which was a tremendous um, opportunity for me professionally, but also personally. My family was able to come. I have two teenage daughters, that was tough at first. Yeah, But hopefully they would agree with me that it was two years really well spent. They were old enough to absorb a culture, not just remember they were there. And also we got to see a lot of Europe, but they got to live in a different country, participating in a lot of the social activities that were going on in Ireland at the time. And yeah. um, I think it was just a tremendous opportunity and one that gave me a whole new set of skills that I didn't have before
0: yeah and as you say it's funny about timing isn't it that was not long after correct saying no saying no and not going for the other opportunity um yeah. I'd love to just hear a bit more about because I know you've had some strong male mentors in your life as well so how did they contribute to your growth but also thinking about gender allyship in the workplace how how did they help you
1: yeah. And I would say that before I jump deep into the male mentorship, that I am from a family of strong women. And so by default, I I have a sense of what women can do. And I think that kind of helps with my mindset. And I also would think my first male mentor was probably my dad, who... Probably he didn't realize what he was doing, but he was so focused on education and he would reward you from an education perspective. And he was was college educated and he worked really, really hard. And I saw the output of that and he was like a planner and would document everything he did or Mm -hmm. wanted to do. So some of those skills um, really helped you. But from a professional perspective, I my first the first person I considered a male mentor I think really understood me I think we had some cultural similarities and so that I think gave them a different lens for example I remember one of the advice he gave me is like sometimes you have to hold your head up because I was big about working hard that's what I'd ever known how to do to succeed from from school to kind of where I, I was and I just always felt I'm from a, a culture where you work hard and results um, show itself. Yeah. And I remember him saying to me one time that sometimes you have to hold your head up, And really that was about making sure people understood my work, understood what I was doing and that I was, You know, networking and making sure people Mm -hmm. understood more about my aspirations, and um, it's just someone that I felt very comfortable with and getting feedback, honest feedback, which is something that you always need. I had a couple of the managers along the way too, who I think helped me navigate my career and and still do. And then there were senior leaders. It's you're in finance and you're in tech, so most of your senior leaders. Um, statistically or males, right? And so, and having some of those conversations, I developed relationships with people who I thought were very honest and who would deliver, right? So, you know, you can have lots of great conversations and then they end when you leave that door. I I had one particular mentor that I would joke about it that if you'd meet with him and he would say, well, I'm going to connect you with this person or do this by the time you got back to your location or your there would be signs that he had sent someone an email or got you connected. And I still stay connected with, with him today, um, even okay. though we both left F- IBM and have moved on. And so I think earlier on, you had to be comfortable in that space. But I, I think if you're trying to you know, now obviously we have a lot more female leaders, but at least when I was yeah. navigating my career, I think working with those male leaders and building allies along the way, I think was mm. important.
0: Yeah. And again, I think there's from the sounds of it, that sense of you also trying to lead some of that yourself to set up those or to build those relationships, as you say. And I I agree. I think we have come a long way and there are more female leaders. But I think there's still more that we can do from a a gender allyship perspective, both, I think, for females with females, but equally males with females, too. And what do you feel that male like male leaders can do to to help with that?
1: I do think, honestly, I'd love to say it starts at home, right? Mm -hmm. And I think if you think of it that, you know, that little girl, niece, your daughter, whomever it is in your circle, just really encouraging them, whatever they say they want to do or want to try, right? There's nothing that girls can do or guys should Mm -hmm. only do so. And I think just being their advocate and champions as early in their lives as possible and helping them open doors and honestly sharing, sharing what you're doing and what's going on in your career and bring them along, right? I don't know, take Yeah. Them to work when it's time to take kids to work day. Um. So I think it starts really early on from that. In, in the professional space, I would say, make sure that you are not being silent, right? If you see something, do something about it, right? If you're realizing that there's someone who probably is missing out on opportunities because mm-hmm. their name isn't coming up for one reason or another, the then you're, you're wondering why. If you're mm-hmm. wondering why, there's probably something to to think about, investigate to learn more. And also um, I would just say too, when you get those calls or or even reach out to people, right? Sometimes they, especially younger females may not be as comfortable getting on your calendar or being as bold as possibly I was, but, you know, offer that, oh, after a meeting, after a presentation, if you see someone uh, focus on that and help to drive whatever organization you have, look at the numbers and drive the results, right? Yeah. That voice and that advocate. And I always say, you know, you know, I don't know if this will ever happen, but as we see our own daughters, you know, I have two daughters myself, yeah. as you see them progress and you start to think about how you would want them to be treated, yeah. try to offer the same to the people in your in your professional circle and, and create that open space and give feedback and just advocate uh, for females the best way you can. That's
0: really powerful, I think, especially it starts at home. I think we don't think enough about that as a society just generally speaking so thank you for sharing that I think it's really helpful now you have done some incredible things within mentorship itself both of you being a mentor but equally kind of the expectations and what you set as a mentee which I'd love for you to share all about the things that you've done and there's there's lots I know and I think we could talk for a long time on it but if you could share obviously the organizations that you're involved in I think everyone would love to hear it.
1: Yeah. So I, I think, as I mentioned earlier, I think there's a lot of powerful in, in mentorship and networking and just learning to understand. So for me personally, you know, I have formal mentors and people like I've adopted along the way and I go <laughs> to for advice all the time. And as I said earlier, it's about how you show up with those relationships and you do have to work on them. Right. It's not, you know, yeah beyond paper for me I I do a lot of mentoring myself so whether it's people whether they're from IBM I still even can you a lot of my mentees and I have mentees who have picked up along the way I even have my own mentoring organization I say my own because I'm part of the crew who started it but that we mentor high school students in Jamaica and it's been such a rewarding journey um, a yeah. group of mentors who do that but but you can never stop learning and mentorship looks very different as your career progresses and there's mentorship and your sponsorship for me i know having left ibm a large company now i'm working for haven technologies which is a startup i actually had a lot to learn okay i knew the technology space i knew finance but there are different things that you'd have to do and so for me i had joined the chief organization which is mm-hmm. a women networking organization and that Gave me just a lot of people to talk with who were with smaller companies, thinking about things they were going through, and just that you had an expanded network, right, that you no longer had when you're moving from a large to a small company. I also joined the F-Suite, which is an organization for CFOs in tech, high-growth startup companies, and that has been almost like my classroom over the last couple of years because- I do get to you know Ooh. attend dinners attend seminars and sit with CFOs who are thinking about things like cash flow and funding rounds and just things that were not part of my 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 world um before. And so I have a group of CFOs who I can reach out to. I have a platform I can go ask my own questions and get resources quicker and get references. And so that has been actually very powerful. And I try to attend as much as I can and and also to give back to the organization in in whatever capacity I can as well.
0: Obviously I think for for the most part everybody knows about Chief, especially as a female leadership organization. But how did you come across F-Suite?
1: So F Suite actually I think I got an invitation actually from them and I thought you know you get so many invitations from organizations yeah. you don't know which ones to join or not so First, I just observed, I followed their website. They invited me to a dinner once and I went and I can't remember exactly what the topic was right now, but I thought this is very helpful. This is like light-minded people talking about a particular business issue for about two hours. And so I I was intrigued by that. And then towards the end of last year, after attending a couple of events, I decided to join and that gave me a lot more access Mm -hmm. to people, to the platform. And um, it's been very, very helpful
0: it sounds like it's perfect for for the environment that obviously as you say going from IBM to a much smaller business i think it's right. help, as you say just helpful and powerful to have like-minded people around you and um, you've touched upon it obviously being a, a mother to two girls and coming from a very strong powerful influential household female leaders which is amazing um but how how did you find those years I'm sure it was quite tough in terms of having your two girls and balancing being in in IBM you said you obviously had to move and be remote as well for some of that so I'd love to just understand how you did it
1: yeah so yeah I just would say first of all I was fortunate to have a mom she had five kids and you know she probably didn't rest enough which is probably something I inherited from her but that's a whole other topic. God, I was fortunate enough to have a mom who, who focused on her career and focused on her community and focused on um she's very, very religious. And I she found a space for everything, right? And etc. Yeah. And I saw some of the decisions that she had to make. She had to think very long term. Um, she was very resourceful, and some of them were hard decisions. I remember my my early childhood education, I had to go to a school outside of my town because she got a promotion opportunity there and I had to drive with her early every morning so I could you know because she wanted mm-hmm. to me up right so I had to go to school there and so I would spend the evenings with her I mean now you look back you realize wow. seeing her the way she was juggling things yeah. that she's working I mean I was so small but now you look back you realize she was always balancing family and career and on Sundays After church, I would tag along with her to all her community activities that she would do because she had a give back element that she still does um, up to this day. So I was fortunate between her and my aunts and older cousins that were were doing it. So for me, I knew it was possible. And I think that was probably a difference with some other females. But if you grew up in in a household where you didn't see it, it's hard to sometimes believe it. So I honestly thought I could do it. Right. So that was like the first thing. And so. It, it was it tough yes it was I think I was also doing it in a different culture in a different environment there were different expectations of me and some of them I was aware of and some I, I actually wasn't so I remember going back to work after my I only took three or four months after both both girls and after my second daughter was born I took my first management job and every time wow. I would see people I could see like <laughs> they were like you know she's crazy and I thought well it's a perfect time. I'm going to go back to, I was working from home for between the two pregnancies. I was in a pricing role. So it was, you know, it, it, it advocated for that. It really helped me on that. And so I was going to go back physically to the office. It was a great time. I'd have a team, my first management job. I was not in New York. So I was again, checking skills I needed to develop and management was one. And I had this great opportunity. And I know there are lots of people who said, are you sure you want to do this? Can you manage this? And to top it off, as I got a job, um, an audit was announced. So in my first month or two of the job, we had a corporate. Oh office. no! You know, our audits bring to this a whole different level of stress. Yeah. But the, from the background I had, I knew I could do it. So the thing was about how do you plan for it? And I really had to take a bet on myself and my career and invest in it, right? So we joined the a in America program. And so I had a third adult in our house who would help my husband and I, who are managing two careers, yeah. work, you know, and, and help me with the girls at home. And so, you know, yes, it was an investment I had to make. Some of mm. it was time. Some of it was financially. And we had, to, we had a schedule who dropped off, you know, for activities or not. And, you know, it's something that you really have to invest in yourself and take a bet. And, and I did that. And I had to rely on my circle. I didn't have as big as a circle because I was outside the New York area when my kids were younger. And so you had to build a new community. And so I think sometimes you just have to, like, decide that you're going to do something. You're going to go after it and, and give it your all. Because otherwise, one thing is guaranteed it's not going to happen, right? If you don't try, it's not going to yeah. happen. So it was very challenging. I was fortunate to really grew up in a company that allowed me flexibility before flexibility was a thing. And I would... Being able to, I was, you know, Girl Scout troop leader. I was the cookie mom. And there's a lot of things that I did, while, you know, to be engaged with my mm-hmm. children while they were growing up. I didn't get to go to every event, but all the major things I showed up. And I also tried to be a mom who I couldn't get to do the field trips and mm-hmm. I didn't bake the cookies or the cupcakes. I would buy them. I tried to buy them at a nice bakery, but I couldn't do it yeah. all. So I had yeah. to make decisions of things I could do and things I couldn't and honestly where I needed help
0: yeah which I think we it's not often talked about but I think people do struggle to admit that sometimes and say actually this is where I do need help and and it's like I think we talked about previously is the trust putting trust on what we want to do what we know we can do and what's actually realistic rather than as you say trying to do all of these things yeah, exactly. That was a great example. But I think um, I know this is something that's quite important to you, which is essentially placing trust in a, a decision in, in your decision making, um, particularly if it's something challenging. So anything else you'd like to add with regard to that?
1: Yeah, that's a, a good, good point. I, I think you have to know what you want to achieve, where you're going and why right? And I think if you always center yourself on your foundation and your why, it helps you to make some of these tough decisions. So I can think of, even we spoke about moving to Ireland. My daughter had just started high school. She was on a track team. She was doing extremely well. And my younger daughter had just started middle school. That was a tough decision, but it was my first exec role. And yes, it was an international assignment and that, that made it even better. But you know, I knew it would have changed financially the trajectory for our family, right? So I think thinking on the longer term, looking at decisions from a family perspective, and then you have to really trust. Sometimes you have to trust the process. Sometimes things aren't happening as quickly as they should. Mm -hmm. But I, I think if you're in an environment where you don't have that trust with the people around you or where you're going and then you can't trust those decisions, then I think it's difficult. But I think you have to focus on your why, and that's why I know we even spoke about the quilt. That's why that actually helped me. When mm-hmm. I came up, I would say, all right, it's going to help me feel X and Y, or it's not going to. And mm-hmm. if there's a lot of sacrifice that you have to make, then is it is it really worth it, right? So I think you have to be centered and you have to focus on that trust. And that's why that advice I got from one of my mentors about, it's like running your own race and putting blinders on. You have to do that. Now, you can't trust everyone. I'm not saying you should just go around trusting everyone or everything, but you have to come up with, you know, there have to be some people who you really do trust and you Mm -hmm. look at their actions and their behavior. And, um, and then you have to go with it. And if you're, if you don't think you can trust the process, then a, you should try to influence it or just ask the why again, why am I not getting that role? Why, why am I not getting yeah. this? Um, so asking the why all the time and then asking yourself your own why helps you, but that trust factor, I think is really, really important.
0: Yes. And I think, as you say, it's something that sometimes comes with time or sometimes just comes through, through having mentors or actually having people that can help guide you and and help you with making those decisions, as you say. Mm -hmm. I think what you have and what's been obvious here throughout your career journey is that you've always been proactive and you've not been afraid to step outside of your comfort zone or raise your hand, which I I think very much comes from your family background by the sounds of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'd love to hear some experiences of those situations where you've kind of had to really step out of the comfort zone and, and put yourself in a situation that you knew would be a learning situation but one that maybe wasn't that comfortable
1: and and it can be risky too right mm-hmm. so I'll I share two I think one is actually my first six months I I don't know I was finishing my work whatever I was told to do I was doing it and I thought there must be more like <laughs> there must be more to this here yeah and that same manager I spoke about, I went to her and I said, you know, I have capacity and I, you know, I I think I can do more as your special project if there's something. And she asked me like, what problem is it that I think I could go solve? And one of we had a particular item in our forecast and that we were always missing. Mm-hmm. And she said, why don't you go take a look and figure that out? No, I was six months. I didn't know anything much about technology. I was still learning. Um, but I, I took the challenge on, I took the challenge on and it, Meant me going to meet people from other divisions, talking to more people in the business, the tech team, and really trying to figure out the whole process flow of that line item and figure out where we were were missing things and and made a process improvement. And I don't know, I should ask her, she's retired now, so maybe it's now time I can go ask her, is I got promoted shortly after that. I think Mm -hmm. it came up, whoever I think probably was supposed to get it. Um, It wasn't the right timing. And so they thought, would you want to do this? And I thought, well, I'm not going to say no. (laughs) (laughs) But I I do think there must have been something that she saw or the leadership team saw in how I approached the first six months of my time with IBM that allowed me to, to compete for that organization. Was it a deep learning curve? Oh, yes, it was. I had a lot to learn. I was doing hardware up to that point and I had to learn to do hardware and software. It was still a development role, but it was a lot to learn. So I think that was one example of where you just kind of like, you know, you, you know, for me it. personally, it's more beneficial to ask the question, ask for more, or just say something mm-hmm. is important than to just keep dealing with it. Yeah. Right. Um, I would say the other item when I had to step completely outside my comfort zone, well, my kids don't think so, but I do. I was asked to take on a risk of business controls role. And I thought I've never done audit. I've been mm-hmm. audited. I've never, you know, mm-hmm. been in controls, but I don't know that I could actually like do that. Now, mm-hmm. my my the reason I said that comment about my kids is that they're like, it's just like you've been the police of that group, like making sure people doing the things correctly, and you're like, because you're really good at that. Um, so there's probably some personality traits that helped me, but I thought, based on career aspirations that I had about business units I'd want to manage in the future, that are that I need to be develop that muscle of understanding how to operate in a risk environment, actually was a good thing to do. And so I took on a job and did it the way I knew how to do it because I. Yeah the way anyone else did it and I think I did it well I focused on partnership I focused on understanding the business again and then making sure we were relevant right like we're not just a particular group on the side that was the value of bringing to the table and then after doing that I was asked to do this for all of IBM so I must have done some element of it right so again I did that because I was asked to do it. I did it because I thought it could have helped my career at some point in the future, not as immediate. And to be asked to do it for all of IBM and I got promoted into to that next role um I I think was a testament to sometimes the the path to success is not you know it's not one road it's not one path and yeah a lot to learn I had to rely on the experts in the organization members of my team who were professionals in that area and sit with them and understand more but you know you you sometimes you don't realize how much you're learning in so many different dimensions yeah you can bring your own background and perspectives and you can help to solve almost any business problem. And if you have enough breadth and depth, you really can just apply that to where you are. And so I was able to draw on lots of different parts of my background and some of my person own personality and personal traits and um and to do that job. So I'm grateful for that opportunity that came my way and then for what it for what it meant going forward.
0: Hope it's it's very clear that you have worked incredibly hard, but equally not being afraid to take those risks and to to get yourself into new environments and new positions where you're always learning and then always growing as a result. We're almost at the end, which I'm very sad about. <laughs> um, but what advice would you give to, to young women aspiring to leadership roles? I think especially in male-dominated industries on finding their voices and taking control of their career.
1: Yeah, so I, I have a lot I'd love to impart, but let me just focus it on a couple of different areas. One is you have to invest the time. I remember being in business school and it was almost like the second semester, and they said they needed my resume for the resume book. And I was like, you know, probably my Jamaican voice. Like, mm-hmm. I came here to learn. <laughs> like what yeah alone like I'm not even one year and I had a um friend who also went to I went to University of the West Indies in Kingston Jamaica who was a year ahead of me and I remember him pulling me aside and he said yeah you got to invest the time you got to get the resume you have to get in the resume but that's how you're gonna get an internship and da, da, da and he laid out for me the path and I was mm-hmm. like okay and I had to pause from all the studying yeah and invested time, got a resume done, got a resume book. I got a great internship and it really helped propel my career. I would not have known that or invested mm-hmm. that time if someone didn't tap me on the shoulder and say, no, you need to do it, right? So- What I'd love to say is listen to the people around you, whatever Mm -hmm. advice you're getting, like take that feedback. You'll get lots of different feedback. And sometimes you have to have that personal inner circle that you can come back to and say, you know, I got these six different, sometimes they're they're different opinions. But I would say you got to invest the time. It's not going to happen, but well, it could, I'm not saying it won't, but Mm -hmm. you have to invest the time. And for me personally, I was very, and still am very organized about my career development. Yeah. I had a mentor who once said to me, write it down, write it down. And not only write it down, put your own time frames. And I cannot mm-hmm. tell you how helpful that has been. One, you show it to people and you see the reaction. They're like, yeah, we're, let's go. We're ready. And yeah. you see the reaction. Well... I'm not so sure. I think you may need to do X or Y and mm-hmm. you can sometimes challenge that, but now you're having a real conversation on facts. Right. And so, um, so that's the, the, the second thing I would say is, you know, documented. You have to share it with people. People have mm-hmm. to know your aspirations um, or else it it, it really won't there. And you have to respond to the feedback. Right. And so when you get the feedback, things are sometimes in our head. Um, sometimes we don't see things the way they could be. And so getting that feedback and pivoting to that, um, I think also so makes a difference. And also I would say you if you don't get, you know, if you're not assigned a mentor, go seek mentors, your managers are great resources to mm-hmm. use mentors because they they know who you are. Um, but then you have to, to build the relationships. They're yeah. not going to happen overnight. You can't wait till you need something to reach out to someone. And so you're going to have to build those relationships along the way. And I know I said it earlier, but I'd like to to also remind everyone to run your own race. Like you'll have your own, you know, your own unique things, skills, areas of improvement personal things going on what you like to do and what you do not like to do and you have to run your own race and not necessarily look to the side mm-hmm. all the time now, i'm not saying you shouldn't because i i like to do it sometimes cuz then i could ask the why not me question yeah. but then you got to get back into your lane and say how am i going to get to a certain path and what are the things i need to do and focus on you focus on building you and and you know everyone has a different path and pace that they'll go and it's not necessarily linear You know, you may have to go slow at some point and that's okay. And then you may speed up at some point and do what's what's right for you. So I think those are some helpful things, but hopefully this is insightful for others. And I just say, I think we have made a lot of progress and a lot of advancement, but there's still a lot to do, especially for females in the workforce today. And we need allies, we need people who can stand up for us and advocate, but honestly, I think we can be our best advocates and and your work, your work has to speak for itself. And so you could do all the things I mentioned, you know, have the many, <laughs> if you do not do your work and don't deliver good results, it will not, you will not, no one will want to make those offers. I actually tell my team all the time, I like to write my year end results in January here are things i want to be able to say in december that i and if you do them early enough i constantly will go back to them what are my goals for this year am i on track am i delivering what i said i would know i could deliver more but you want to make sure that you're on track otherwise without working hard and the results i think all the other things you know won't make as much impact because people aren't going to stand up and advocate for you if you don't really deliver So true.
0: And you know what? I think a lot of people don't necessarily lead with that in terms of be your own advocate, but also make sure that you're the person that is out there and driving that for yourself. And, and, but equally, it doesn't come without the hard work. Right. I think it it goes hand in hand. Hope you are an inspiration and thank you very much for sharing. I think everybody will really enjoy this. I have one last question. Sure. Which is how do you take your tea?
1: How do I take my tea? (laughs) Uh, That's a very interesting question because I actually do not drink tea. And um, so for me, it's hot chocolate. So I love hot chocolate of all different flavors. And I like it with just a little whipped cream. Nice. Too much.
0: Nice. Well, thank you very much. And thanks so much for sharing. As I say, I think everyone will really enjoy this. Really appreciate your time.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Great conversation. You're welcome. Thank you. Take care.